You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the northern lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and I'm joined by my co-host Tony and we are doing the Canadian Challenge Sled Dog Race Preview. It's starting here in just a couple of days and for folks that may have heard about that race, it's because we host a show with our friend Dan Kirkup. He is the president of the Canadian Challenge Sled Dog Race and he has been producing some really fascinating interviews with all the participants this week. And you can find that feed over on our Dog Works radio feed. I know that's that's tough to digest because we just changed <laughs> over from one feed to another, but I can't do everything at once. So it's still residing where it resid, I guess is the word. Uh, from the very beginning. So just jump back and forth and do us a favor and subscribe to both. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. So Tony, welcome to the show. What do you know about the Canadian Challenge? Um, this is a race that I don't normally get to follow because it's typically running at the same time as other races here in Alaska, but we've got a little bit of downtime. So I get to actually learn and spend some time following a race that's really been on my radar for a while. They're very um, friendly on social media, very encouraging, not only of the podcast, but of fans in general. So I'm really excited to get to preview it a little bit tonight. Yeah, this one caught my eye several years ago, I guess sort of right there at the beginning of the Ugly Dogs uh, mm -hmm. interaction and Blair and Quince and all those guys that were heavily involved with this uh, because it was just a race that, you know, sort of happened, which is what a lot of races do. And there's not a lot of press about them. It's in... It's in, I believe it's in Manitoba, Canada, so it's kind of out, out of the way. It's not in this, you know, mushing hotbed, if you will. But it's a race that, that has garnered a lot of attention, especially on Twitter, hasn't it? It has, and it really is starting to grow on Facebook as well. The I did a, I did a chat live friends Facebook group is also following the race. Some of their members are very heavily involved as volunteers with the race. So it is starting to grow on all social media platforms, which is really exciting. We're seeing a lot of that throughout this year 
with some of these smaller races that we haven't really heard about or paid attention to. Normally, you know, it's the, the Cusco and recently the Willow because it's one of the only ones still around and, and all of that. But now we're seeing some of these smaller races that are still qualifiers for those big races that we know about um, really jump in the mix. And they're starting to like make master classes out of how to get information out to the fans and they're leaving some of the more established or well-known races in the dust with that. And I think Canadian Challenge is right up there. I think they're the only race other than Iditarod that has a podcast. Um, and Iditarod doesn't even run their podcast. It's just part of um, a program that one of the schools involved with the Iditarod Education Program put together. Um, and they just kind of lob onto that. Whereas uh, Canadian Challenge, they have their own podcast now. So I think that's super cool. And uh, so, I'm, like I said, I'm really excited to kind of jump in and talk about it tonight. And Tony, we might as well pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Where is that <laughs> podcast hosted at? Who, who who runs that show? I think you host it, don't you? <laughs> yep, we, we are the ones, and uh, we we try to do our best to... Um, Teach teach the uh, guys over there the ins and outs of podcasting. They were brand new to it. They had no idea about anything in terms of podcasting, and, and they've done a really good <laughs> job. They've done biweekly shows for, I don't know, since early summer, maybe late spring. I don't recall mm -hmm. exactly when they started, and they've done they've done a really good job. They haven't missed a week since, which is really saying something for podcasting. So you had mentioned that this race is a qualifier and i think that that's pretty cool too because it's it's uh like we said it's not in the mushing hotbeds that we think about but some folks are able to use this race a little bit closer to home a lot of folks that run this race are not as well known as you know some of the the big names in in the in the races in particular in alaska minnesota uh, wisconsin those, those types of areas but uh, we have some who's who in these races as well. I know that they're running several different classes. Do you have the rosters for the different classes or just the big race? Well, I decided that since they have their own race preview coming out in the next day or two, that I figured we'd stick with the qualifying races and that they could do the eight and six dog class. That way we're not completely stealing their thunder. Right. Um, so I went with the both, they have two classes of 10 dogs. They've got a 200 mile race and a 300 mile race, which this year due to trail conditions are actually 180 and 280. Um, the 280 is the one that looks to be the qualifier this year. Um, they have information on both teams that are running it. There's two teams running the 300. Um, they both are saying that they're using it to qualify for Iditarod and one is also using it to qualify for Yukon Quest in the future. Um, and then they have seven teams for the shorter race, which is actually what they call their premier race. Um, and that's the one that has the lone American kennel in the mix. Everybody else is from Canada. Like you said, they're all close to home there. Uh, but we've got Christina Gibson in the 200-mile race uh, from Whiteout Racing. She's really big on Twitter, uh, has a really nice fan base, and Christina herself is, is a wonderful person to talk to. So um, 
you know, we've, it's, a, it's again, it's another race that's a small roster, but it has a big, it has a growing following and um, is certainly one of the more interesting uh, races to follow. So I can go through those rosters a little bit better. The two teams for the 300 miles is Maxime Bersau. I'm going to totally butcher his last name. So I do, uh, I do apologize. Um, he's using this to qualify for his, for the quest and Iditarod. Uh, he ran the 200 last year, which was their longer race last year, um, and came in third. He is part of the yes, I can kennel who I believe that kennel is who took some of the dogs or at least the dog truck from Karen Ramstead when she retired from mushing. Um, and then we've got Jesse Terry. He's qualified. He's using this to qualify for his Iditarod uh, run in the future. He's from On the Land Kennel, and he won the 200-mile race last year. So two teams that know this trail fairly well and have uh, plans for the future. So kind of exciting to see both of them. Now with them qualifying, it's like most of the other races that we followed. Uh, they have a handler to clean up after them, after they leave out of checkpoints, but that's all the handler can do if they are qualifying for Iditarod or Quest. If they had chosen not to use this as a qualifier, they'd be able to bed the dogs in the dog truck um, if they so chose and, and sleep in their dog truck and all of that. But since they're using it for a qualifier, they have to play by what they would see on the quest. And I did a run. And in the shorter race, you said that there were seven entries. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yep. We do have seven entries. We've got Garrick Schmidt of Eagle Ridge dog sled tours and kennel. Uh, then we've got Rhonda Hearschop of paws on patrol. Uh, her partner ran the beer, the bear grease. Uh, recently so this team is a well-run team I'm not completely sure where the name from their kennel comes from but she is a border services officer so I kind of wonder if they if she doesn't get to somehow use the dogs for her job and then we've got Mary England also from on the land kennel uh, she ran this race last year and did not finish. I don't know the story behind that, but I'm sure she's looking for redemption this time around. We've also got Ragnar Robinson of Red Lantern Dog Yard. He was a rookie last year, and I believe he still qualifies as a rookie this year. He did not finish. Um, and he actually, in his little bio, he's the one with the least amount of experience. His says one plus year. So good for him to, to be doing a 200-mile race this, uh, soon into the sport. And then we've got Jillian Lawton of Aurora Gray. She was second in last year's eight-dog class. Uh, we've got Christina Gibson of Whiteout Racing. Uh, she just finished the pedigree stage stop. Uh, she was the Red Lantern there. So kudos to her because that's, that's a big race. I mean, yes, they stop in between each section, but that's still a long time uh, commitment. And then rounding out the uh, seven teams is Leon Church of Church Kennel. Excellent. Uh, and if you guys recall, when we talked about the Eagle Cap Extreme race in Oregon, Christina Gibson raced in that one as well, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. So, yep. so some yeah, very familiar, some very familiar names there. I believe most of those guys have been 
interviewed on the Canadian Challenge podcast. And uh, definitely check those out if you're wanting to get more information. And they're about a half-hour episodes, very similar to our mushing, ra- uh, mushing Radio episodes as well. So, Tony, uh, the race, it starts on Tuesday, which is an interesting day mm-hmm. for a race to start. A lot of times races start on the weekends just because of travel and all that. Do you have any insight of of why they're start, st- starting so early in the week? You know, I don't know other than the fact that, you know, most of their um, website stuff has lots of stuff going on in those checkpoints, um, almost like it's its own little mini festival, maybe not as big as something like the Bear Grease, but they have some interesting little, hey, don't forget to check this out as well. Um, so I assume it has something to do with where they're uh, staging the race. But for the most part, I know today has been a travel day for a lot of the teams. Tomorrow is the vet check, and then they start at noon on Tuesday, their time. So I think that might be 10 o'clock our time. I'm not sure of time zones. I believe they are central okay. time, central or mountain time for sure. So, Tony, okay. we talked about in in races in Alaska, one of the big struggles is having somebody that is able to really dedicate the time to race coverage and websites and social media and all that sort of stuff. And some races really struggle with that. We talked about the Willow 300 okay. and how they struggled <laughs> and some races do very good at it, like the Cusco and the Copper Basin and, mm-hmm. you know, some of those others. And it is my understanding that the Canadian challenge has a dedicated social media person and she happens to be in England. So she has a many, many hour difference for updating and being able to sleep and all of that compared to us over here, especially in Alaska, a little bit different if you're in uh, uh, central or mountain time zone. But I think that that's really cool. If, if she is the one that's going to be doing all the social media stuff, that really helps out the crews on the ground because it's very difficult to be the race marshal, the president, or the, you know, the head vet, or a volunteer, mm-hmm. or something with the boots on the ground where you can just sit at a desk and, you know, have a pot of coffee brewing, or if you're in England, I guess it would be tea, and uh, just really (laughs) spend the time that you need to. And that's where good quality race coverage comes in, doesn't it? For sure. Um, I think we've spoken about that a lot this year, where, you know, if you can have a dedicated person or a couple of people just to maintain the social media aspect of it, I know it's a pain in the butt. I know that that's very difficult to get volunteers, but it's obviously something that you can do offsite um, if you're willing to deal with, you know, communicating to that person. I think it's actually really brilliant to have somebody over in England uh, doing most of your social media when you're over here in Alaska or even parts of Canada and the lower 48 because they are so many hours ahead of us that while everybody's running in the middle of the night, it's actually during your daytime. So you're not really having to go on that much less sleep, I would assume, uh, because most of the action in these races happens at night, especially your longer races. 
Um, so I, I think it's brilliant. She does a very good job if it's the same person that's run it the last few years. Um, I've learned, like I said, a good deal about the race just through their social media because I've only ever been really able to catch glimpses of it while I'm following or reporting on other races or working at other races when it's been like the Tuscamina 200 or something like that. So uh, it's it's exciting. I, I know that they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be better every year. They're always concerned that they can only do so much. Um, they had commented about uh, something that we had said on a previous podcast about social media. And I was like, you guys are one of the good ones. You are not one of the complaints that fans will have. Um, you are the reason why complaints at other races are happening, because if you guys can handle this and you're a quote unquote smaller unknown race, then some of these bigger races should be able to be at that level, if not higher. And that's where fans are getting frustrated. Um, but it's all about, you know, where you dedicate your time and your energy to. And if you feel like you can have a volunteer over in England doing this, more power to you. And, and they've shown that it works. So I, I just want to keep giving them kudos for that. Very good. So anything else about the race before we give a couple updates? Uh, the only other thing, we should probably mention mandatory rest because that's always what our mathematician listeners like to know for the longer race it's a total of 22 hours of mandatory rest they have the eight hour plus differential uh each time they've they've got a loop at, towards the end so there's a, a place i believe it's larange i could be saying that completely wrong you can make fun of my non-canadianness uh because i'm always making fun of how canadians speak so i totally get it um, but they have to take their, they have to take two mandatory rests there of eight hours each plus one time for their time differential, um, as well as six hours in the other checkpoints. And then for the shorter race, it's 14 hours with an eight hour time differential at that same checkpoint. All right. So guys, uh, we've been doing something a little bit different here on the podcast. We save a, an update for upcoming shows and events and that sort of thing for the very end because we hope that you're listening to the whole show, not just the <laughs> beginning or the end to find the juicy parts. So we have a little bit of an update. We mentioned on our last episode, I believe we were doing the Goose Bay 150. If, if I remember correctly, we said that we were going to interview... <laughs> Emily and Stanley Robinson. And a lot of folks have heard about Emily Robinson in, the, in this season in particular. She pretty much took the, the race season by storm when she was running the ACE race and then the, the uh, Willow 150 and a couple of other races that was, she was running as, an, as a junior and as an adult. And I had the pleasure this afternoon to interview her and we talked all about uh, growing up mushing and being on runners at you know two years old and uh, what it what it's like bouncing back and forth between juniors and adult races and why she does it and I think that that's a very important distinction and how important Junior Iditarod is to her. So definitely pay attention to that episode. I believe it drops on Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe to the, our feed for that. That is over on the mushing radio feed. And then after the Emily interview, I had a chance to speak to her younger brother, Stanley. And Stanley is just 11 years old and just completed his first 
distance race. It was the Willow Junior 100, which he ran with, with his sister, Emily. And there was, quote unquote, no sibling rivalry there whatsoever. They were perfectly <laughs> content in doing what they did, and they did it very well. And it's interesting in talking to Stanley, since I didn't want to ask him the same questions, we dove deep into their family that run a trap line using sled dogs and snow machines. And he talked all about how to run a trap line and why it's important and all of that stuff. These are episodes that you're not going to want to miss. They're going to be released both this week. I believe his is coming out on Saturday. And we did that because Emily is running in the junior Iditarod, which I believe starts on Saturday <laughs> morning. And one mm-hmm. other update, I believe we have on Wednesday or Thursday, all of my dates are, are juked up for sure. We have our interview <laughs> with Barb Reddington, who talks about the Junior Iditarod. So all those episodes will be dropping this week. And I would imagine at some point this week, we will also be doing our race recap of the <laughs> Canadian Challenge. And then next Thursday... A week from this coming Thursday, I guess it will be March 2nd, we are going to do our Iditarod kickoff show. We always start that on the night of the banquet, and then we do sort of our predictions and things on Friday, and then Saturday we talk about the ceremonial start, and then Sunday we talk about the restart, and then every night after that we are doing our daily coverage for our new listeners. And we have a whole bunch of them, Tony. What is sort of our format on our day, our, our nightly show, if you will? <laughs> uh, we try to keep up with the action of the race, but we also try to not just uh, regurgitate what you can find online already with the Iditarod, be it their official stuff or the local news. We try to find the stories that happen between the lines. Uh, We also give updates on where everybody is in the race. We give our thoughts and our analysis as things start to shake out. Um, And we try to do it somewhat at the same time, but it's kind of difficult that first few days because I will actually be not at home. I'll be on location for a little bit, or at least on a location, not necessarily at the race giving updates, but um, I I volunteer for that first weekend. So trying to figure out and juggle all of that, that's always, that's been a challenge the last couple of years. So it's, it's fun. It it, uh, gives me a little, I've got a little bit of a panic attack, as you said, just how soon it is. Not because of the podcast, but I also have to start really thinking about my volunteer duties as I'm an area coordinator and I have nothing planned yet. (laughs) Yes. So we do try to do them at about (laughs) the same time. It's somewhere around seven-ish Alaska time. And we do that because that's sort of in the lull. Uh, You know, everybody's getting ready to run again at night. Uh, that the daily activities has slowed down a little bit, you know, all that sort of stuff is, it's sort of that new cycle lull. And that's where we try to do it. And, you know, Tony, we have done episodes that have been 20 or 30 minutes. We've done episodes (laughs) that have been a couple of hours. So they, they really get deep. Uh, on on what we talk about, and it's really just about the story. Some of them are not a lot's happening today. Not not very many people are moving. Everybody's at their twenty four hour rest, 
and exactly. uh, and that's where we're at. So stay tuned to that. I know it's very late on the East Coast when we wrap up at eight o'clock and then takes, I don't know, half hour or whatever to get it posted. It's already well past midnight, but uh, people are still listening at the midnight hour. So we're looking forward to it. Anything else in updates before we close? I don't think we have any other updates other than thank you everyone who stuck it out as we've used this year as a learning curve, or at least I have, um, doing all of these extra shows. It's been a blast and we're about to hit our finals week or our sweeps week or our March Madness, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I'm starting again to kind of panic about all the stuff I have to do. But uh, thank you, everybody. And I can't wait to start talking about I Did a Rod. That's where I think this show really shines. I, I think it does too. And I'm looking forward to that and uh, definitely stay, pay attention to your feeds. And if you have not hit that subscribe button and definitely tell your family and friends how you listen mm-hmm. to show them exactly how to do it. And uh, maybe who knows, they can become a uh, mushing radio fan as well. And be sure to check us out on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash first media. We are st- sending out sticker packs of a bunch of cool stickers I have uh, that I've collected over the years for our podcasts and things. And that's one of the perks for being a Patreon member. And I know you even ask for those stickers, so I need to get your address and send you (laughs) some as well. So with that, Tony, it has been a pleasure. And uh, this is our race preview of the Canadian Challenge. We will talk to you guys real soon. Goodbye. From Dog Works Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.